0: If you would please, open in the Bible to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. You'll find it in the Bible on uh, page 811. You'll also find it in the bulletin on page 8. It would be very helpful if you have it open in front of you, because we'll be looking closely at a couple of verses and at... uh, couple of other passages in other areas of the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18, please stand. Jesus said, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The word of the Lord. Father, thank you for this chance to be together this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing among us. Thank you for the love you have placed between us in Christ. Father, we pray that you'd please send your Holy Spirit powerfully upon us, that you'd put far away from us all the distractions that keep us from hearing you, and give us grace, Father, that we might hear your word, believe it, obey it, and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Please be seated. We are continuing a series of sermons looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And we've been looking uh, for the past couple of weeks at uh, Matthew chapter 6. And in this section, the Lord is dealing with three of the primary central focuses, devotional practices, if you will, of God's covenant people. Giving, praying, and today, fasting. Uh, Of course, we do a lot of talk about giving. Uh, Paul just prayed about uh, the stewardship, the budget, uh, thanking God for his mercies through you. Your generous giving is what makes it possible for the church to do the work that God's given to us. And we are so grateful for your faithful giving. And the Lord talks about giving, has a lot to say about giving, both uh, a couple of Sundays ago in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 1 to 4. And then next Sunday, we'll be looking again at at, uh, what Jesus has to say about giving. And he has a lot to say about giving, and and the Jewish people understood, the covenant people of God in the Old Testament understood that giving was an extremely important part of their their life, uh, of faith, uh, their covenant life. Uh, Jesus also talked a lot about prayer. In fact, the longest section in this section, uh, the longest uh, specific aspect of our devotional practice in the Jewish people's devotional practice that Jesus dealt with uh, is the Lord's Prayer and and the whole idea of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not so much something to be memorized, although it's a wonderful thing to memorize, but it's not so much something to be memorized as to be prayed into. It's, it's It's a prayer that's meant to serve as a kind of model. And we talked a little bit about what the Lord had to say about prayer. Well, today we're going to look at the third of these three devotional practices, the one called fasting. And uh, interestingly, this is probably the one that we talk about the least. I mean, the absolute least. It may have been a while since you heard a sermon on fasting. But here we are, we're opening our Bibles, and the Lord has something to teach about fasting. And so today, this Sunday of Grace, we're going to talk about what fasting is. Uh, You'll notice in verse 16, Jesus says, when you fast. Uh, He doesn't say if you fast. If you think about it, if you get around to it, he says when you fast. Uh, Of course, what he's teaching here is completely consistent with what we see in the Old Testament. Let's think a little bit about what the Bible in the Old Testament, first of all, has to say about fasting. It seems to be something he assumes his disciples will do. Uh, What is the Bible have to tell us about fasting? Well, first of all, it shows up a great deal in the Old Testament. Um, The the Hebrew word for fasting simply means abstaining from food. Very simple. Abstaining from food. And it shows up throughout the Old Testament. It shows up, for instance, in uh, Psalm 35, when David talks about fasting. It shows up again in 2 Samuel 12, when Samuel talks about David fasting. It shows up in the book of Esther in Mordecai's prayer. It shows up in Ezra chapter 8 when Ezra uh, prayed and and fasted and called the people to prayer and fasting. It shows up in in Nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, the very beginning of the book. We read about the Old Testament people of God fasting. And of course, Jonah, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, records how the people of Nineveh, Uh, Repented in fasting. The the demonstration of their response to the God whom Jonah preached was to fast. And there's many other references that you can read in the Old Testament uh, about fasting. In fact, in one place, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27 through 28, uh, we actually read God commanding a fast. He commanded a fast. And in Joel chapter 2 verses 15 to 16, the prophet Joel, Joel delivering a message from God, urges the people to as he says, consecrate a fast. So, as I say, it shows up in the Old Testament from start to finish. What about the New Testament? What does the New Testament have to teach us about fasting? Well, if you remember in our series on the book of Acts, we talked about the creation of the very first mission church in Antioch. Well, Antioch, in uh, the book of Acts, in uh, chapter 13, verse 2, for instance, there the church fasted as they began this exciting new ministry of mission, taking the gospel beyond the covenant people, the Old Testament covenant people, as Paul, led by the Spirit uh, and Barnabas, were commissioned by the church in Antioch. It was there where they fasted as well as prayed for God's ministry. They do it again in chapter 14, verse 23 of the book of Acts. So Acts records uh, several instances of fasting. Uh, If you remember back in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 37, there's a story of Anna who greeted the Lord Jesus when he was just a baby being presented in the temple And uh, Anna, it says, was one who prayed and fasted. And then finally, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 17, probably the most famous instance of fasting in the New or the Old Testament, we have the Lord Jesus himself in a fast in the wilderness as he prepared himself for the ministry That his father had called him to. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There are numerous references to fasting. It's interesting that in our day it's become virtually unheard of. Because it certainly wasn't unheard of in Jesus' day. Uh, Fasting, uh, because it shows up so frequently in the uh, New Testament in the Bible. Fasting also has a role to play in church history. Uh, It's been an interesting week. I really hadn't thought much about fasting as a spiritual devotion until I opened to this passage and started preparing. And as I was preparing, I I sort of did some research on the role of fasting in early church history. Tertullian, one of the great early Christians, wrote a whole treatise on fasting, calling Christians in his day to fast as a way of of, uh, connecting to the Lord. Um, St. Augustine, one of my favorite saints, and one that has deeply influenced Reformed theology, St. Augustine specifically commended fasting. This is what he wrote. He says, Fasting cleanses the soul, raises the mind, subjects one's flesh to the spirit, renders the heart contrite and humble, scatters the clouds of concupiscence, quenches the fire of lust, and kindles the true light of chastity. Sign me up. I mean, that's, that's what Augustine had to say about fasting, that this was something that actually strengthens us for our walk with Christ. Of course, John Calvin has a special role to play in uh, the life of those of us who are Reformed Christians. Uh, John Calvin believed fasting was a useful thing. In fact, he, he even wrote this. He says, if either pestilence or famine or war begins to rage, or if any disaster seems to threaten any district and people, then it is the duty of the pastors to urge the church to fast. It's their duty to call the church to fast. That's John Calvin. One of the Puritans who attended the Westminster Assembly was uh, uh, involved in the discussion around the uh, Westminster Confession uh, was named Ambrose, uh, Isaac Ambrose. He called fasting soul feeding. I thought that was a clever turn of words, soul feeding. In fact, in the Westminster Confession, chapter 21, paragraph 5, which uh, we can turn to and read anytime to find out what presbyterians think about fasting Um, it includes fasting in the list of all the means of grace which as the confession says as parts of the ordinary religious worship of god when the westminster confession was written fasting was thought of as an ordinary part of worship Uh, we're getting close to the fourth of july it's just uh Few days away now. Did you know that President John Adams, the first one-term president of the United States, John Adams, uh, called for national days of solemn humiliation, fasting, and prayer. He did it twice, seventeen ninety-eight and seventeen ninety-nine, and then years later, he wrote to his good friend that he thought he lost his reelection campaign because he called for prayer and fasting because. The other colonists, the other members of this new fledgling republic, thought that he was being too Presbyterian (laughs) when he called for solemn fasting. So it's closely associated with church history, and it's closely associated, interestingly, with our own history as Presbyterians. So, it is actually something that shows up in the Bible, it shows up in church history. What does Jesus have to say about it? Well, interestingly... Jesus, who assumes it will happen, has words of caution. In fact, everything he has to say here, uh, in some ways, is connected to this idea of cautioning his disciples. Look what he says in verse 16. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Jesus cautions his disciples about the danger of hypocrisy. Now this is something Jesus has touched on before. In fact, he's touched on it each time. With all three of the devotional practices of the ancient Hebrew people, the ancient covenant people, he cautions his disciples. He doesn't throw it out. He doesn't say Christians don't give, Christians don't pray, Christians don't fast. In fact, he seems to be telling us that Because we are Christians, we will do these same things that we saw in the Old Covenant. Give, pray, fast. But the way we do it will be different. So Jesus isn't so much concerned with the the when of giving, praying, fasting, as he is the how. The how. And let's, let's think for a moment. This was so important to Jesus that he writes or sends to us, his sermon delivers to us via Matthew's Gospel these words of caution. What are the words of caution? They, they have to do, first of all, with this idea of hypocrisy, play-acting, uh, doing something to get the approval of other people. Uh, the word hypocrisy is literally play-acting. It's, it's, uh, it's pretending. And Jesus did not want his disciples to, like the hypocrites, play act by disfiguring their faces, distorting the way they look, uh, that their fasting, he says, may be seen by others. That's what the hypocrites were all about. It was about being seen by others. And Jesus cautions us, as he's going to go on to caution us next Sunday, about this whole category of the Christian life. We are to be careful That our motives and our behaviors are not actually rooted in this idea, like the hypocrites did, of winning other people's approval. Pretending to do something, exaggerating something, in order to get the approval of other people. So they would show up when they were fasting, looking a mess. Intentionally. Because they were play-acting. Asked any actor. And you exaggerate. If your purpose is to be seen by the crowd. You exaggerate how you look. There were those in Jesus' day. Among the Pharisees and others. Who play acted. And they were playing to the only audience they cared about. Which was the people watching. The Religious Pharisees were experts at this. They knew all the things that the Bible assumed they would do, and they took those very things and twisted them around and made them something that had to do not with God, but with people. Well, Jesus says if you do that, you've received your reward. He's already said that about giving and praying. If you give or pray or fast in order to get other people's approval to show how religious you are or how impressive you are in your spirituality, if that's why you're doing it, if that's what's behind you're fasting, or you're praying, or you're giving, then you've received all the rewards you're going to get. And i got to tell you, that's just not much, is it? Getting someone to think, oh, you're so spiritual. Well, Jesus cautions us about that. Don't be like the hypocrites. But there's actually something a little deeper. Because what was beneath the hypocrites? What was beneath this people-pleasing? What's beneath it is they had come... To have a very, very low view of God. You know, it's it's possible to be very religious. And actually have a very low view of God. If you think about it. if, If you dress up and distort your face. And try to look a certain way to evoke a response from people. And that's your purpose. If that's your purpose, and something as important as fasting, then how little must we think of God? In the book of Malachi, on the subject of 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 giving, Malachi talks about the giving in the uh, ancient covenant people, the, the community that Malachi wrote to in the Old Testament. It's almost as though God didn't exist. They were simply playing to the only people that mattered. The only, the only entity that mattered was the people they could see. And know that's one of the dangers, I think, of the Christian life is the longer we walk with the Lord, we, we learn to do things and, and we're taught things that often start out very helpful. But if our understanding of God is diminished, if it shrinks, if we think less and less of God and more and more about ourselves and the people we're trying to impress, that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's, that was essentially what was happening with the hypocrites. They, they had no idea, no conception of the fact that it was the audience of one that mattered. The only audience that matters. When it comes to our devotion to the Lord, our behaviors our practices the only audience that matters, brothers and sisters ultimately is the Lord God himself in his kingdom the focus of our practices are focused on God Now that will lead us to be concerned about other things mission and impacting the world being a light on a, a hill as Jesus talks about in chapter uh, 5, verse 14. But it's grounded in, it's centered in God himself. And in all of our devotional practices, whatever it may be, we will be wise again and again and again and again to come back to that central truth. It is God who sees in secret that ultimately matters. God who sees in secret, that is the ultimate audience that matters in all of our worship. So, Jesus, in love, brings a word of caution to his disciples. A word that you and I must heed. We, we need to think it through. We need to live it out because Jesus wants us to know how dangerous it is to live like the hypocrite's. So let's make due note with huge exclamation points about these words of caution. But I do want to back up a bit and say the words of caution, let's make note of with exclamation points and underscores. But why did Jesus assume we would do it? Why did he do it? Well, let's think about that for a moment as well. This week, uh, in all my research uh, on fasting, I bumped into a book by Dr. Don Colbert called The Fasting Zone. He's a Christian. I like Don Colbert. I must say I've been impressed by him. In fact, I brought a a few handouts. If you're interested, I'll give you one from Don Colbert on uh, Christian fasting. Uh, He has a lot to say about it. As, a, as something that promotes good health. Maybe you've read about it. Maybe you try to do it sometimes. Uh, I, I recommend it to you. But that's really almost beside the point because the fasting Jesus is talking about is a, it has a different focus. It has to do not with the reward of good health, but with the reward of pleasing God, doing something that our Father Rewards us for. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Jesus actually says that along with giving and praying, fasting is something that God will reward. What on earth is that all about? God will reward the Christian, the follower of Jesus who fasts. Um, Why did the church in Antioch fast when they prayed? Well, there's several reasons, and we get hints of this in Jesus' own experience of fasting. Why did Jesus fast? Jesus, as he was coming into uh, this new phase in his life, uh, this exciting, frightening, troubling, worrying new ministry that he had been called to do, that any of us would have crumpled from, Jesus was drawn to prayer and fasting With his father. He did not draw attention to himself. It's written down in the Bible. But he went off by himself. To the wilderness. As far as we can tell. The only other entity in the universe. Who paid any attention to Jesus' fasting. Was the devil. God. And the devil. The devil noticed. The devil noticed. But Jesus at this. Significant turning point. In his own earthly ministry. Drew aside to fast. To fast to uh, humble himself before his father, to to, uh, bring himself and deprive himself of of the things of this life, the, the blessings of this life, not to try and earn anything. Let's put that right out of our minds. Jesus had nothing to earn. But Jesus wanted to please his father and Jesus was living in accordance with his father's will. That's what Jesus always did. And so Jesus, as he began this new phase in his ministry, he fasted he didn't just fast he fasted for 40 days that's an echo of Moses who fasted 40 days Jesus fasted for 40 days so as you and I in our walk with Christ face moments of decision as we face moments of personal struggle As we face in our lives the reality of sin, Jesus did not have sin to contend with, or he did not have sin in his life. He overcame sin. In fact, he did it in the wilderness. But you and I have ongoing struggle with sins. Well, let me just say, I. (laughs) I'm fairly confident it applies to you as well, but I know a whole lot about me. And I know the ongoing struggle in my life of overcoming the reality of sin. Well, it seems when Jesus was in a a similar situation, uh, when he was facing something of great significance, great importance, he actually drew apart and fasted as he prayed. Wouldn't that make sense for you and me? I mean, John Calvin seemed to think it was a great idea to call for a fast. In fact, fact, he felt like it was a responsibility to call for a fast. What, What did he say when there were pestilence, famine, war beginning to rage, disasters? Well, it sounds like John Calvin was reading this morning's Dallas Morning News. Because we live in a world, I mean, Paul just prayed us through a long list of all the things going on in our life and in the world around us. Where is the call to fast? Where is the call to pray to the Lord, to humble ourselves as the people in Nineveh did? Where is the call to to come into God's presence with with this desire to please Him, to turn to Him as a people, as a nation? I mean, can you imagine a national call to fasting today? Yeah, that that was Joel's response. That's the response of the book of Leviticus on the Day of Atonement when the people were commanded to fast as they prayed. So I'd like to revive this neglected discipline in my own life and in our church's life. I'd love to invite you to think about fasting as a personal Christian devotion. We want to heed carefully Jesus' cautions. We're not in this to impress one another. We're not in this to impress the world. But if the Lord leads you to consider including fasting in your own personal devotional life, I think it'd be a very good thing. I think it'd be heeding the overall message of what Jesus is telling us. When we fast, let's do it His way. We've, we've got a big budget concern. I can tell you, I've spent a whole lot of praying. Why not spend a moment or a day, a few hours, a day or two, some period of time, as we pray intentionally fasting, humbling ourselves before the God who provides everything. Not to earn something but to make ourselves ready for him. Bill Bright uh, was a great influence in my early Christian life. He founded Campus Crusade for Christ. Bill Bright Bright says, I believe the power of fasting as it relates to prayer is the spiritual atomic bomb that our Lord has given us to destroy the strongholds of evil and usher in a great revival and spiritual harvest around the world. Spiritual atomic bomb with so much power. Well, why not revive this neglected discipline in a quiet, low-key way that is only designed and only intended to be between us and the Lord, humbling ourselves before Him. Now, this little... Flyer, I mentioned, gives a whole lot of cautions. Don't do it if you're in bad health. Don't do it if you've got cancer. Don't do it if you've uh, got chronic situations that you need to be aware of. In fact, this little article spells it out pretty carefully. In fact, he says, point three, don't do it to lose weight. Don't do it for that purpose. But what a, what a, what a helpful thing to do to, to pull aside together. And to pray with earnestness as we pray and fast to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be looking for opportunities to do it. In fact, I did it this week. I'm not going to tell you when. You'll have to guess. I did it one day this week and I thought that wasn't so bad. I think it's a good idea. I felt better for it. But more importantly, I believed I was sort of connecting to the kind of thing Jesus is calling us as his disciples to do. You see if you want to try it. You think about it. Feel no pressure from me. But do know I commend it to you. And it might be something worth your thinking about. Because it's certainly something Jesus thought about. It's certainly something Jesus thought that you and I as his disciples would do. Occasionally.